What's up, boys and girls? Welcome to another episode of Walk on Wisdom, man. You guys, uh, thus far, the response that we have gotten, uh, the questions we have in the queue, uh, Connor and I have been going through them. Uh, well, Connor has been going through them. I like to not really see him, but he's been keeping me updated on how many you all you guys have been sending in. Um, once again, those questions go into podcast at michaelchandler.com. Thank you guys so much for just your interest in what I have going on up, up in this brain, in my heart. Um, as I always say, or like to say as much as I can, I am an expert at absolutely nothing. Um, but I am a guy who's been around the world a couple times, seen a lot of ups and a lot of downs, um, had some really, really tough times, had some really, really great times. And, uh, I by no means have this whole life thing figured out. Um, but I want to give you my wisdom as much as possible. Um, obviously the idea of walk on wisdom, comes from my past and my uh, my process of getting to where I am. I was a walk-on at the University of Missouri, literally the lowest guy on the totem pole, wasn't even invited, just showed up one day and uh, ended up becoming a, a team captain and All-American at Mizzou. Mizzou Wrestling, who they just had another national champion. Shout out to Keegan O'Toole. Shout out to Brian Smith. Um, the Tigers place in top 10 yet again. And uh, it's been awesome. So send in your questions to podcast at michaelchandler.com. Pause it right now if you're not driving. Write that down and send in any questions, anything. doesn't have to be about just fighting or fitness or nutrition or any of that kind of stuff. I'm a father trying to become a better father. I'm a husband trying to become a better husband. I'm a man trying to become a better man. Um, so all of those different things. Nothing is off the table. And you can always... Um, you can always send it in anonymous um, if you don't want your name to be said. So with that being said, let's get right into it. The first one is not anonymous. It comes from Gabe. Hey, Mike, my question for you would be, what kind of advice would you have for a 20-year-old that's trying to find his why in life? I'm a believer, and I just moved 16 hours away from all my friends and family to move down here to Sarasota, Florida. I feel like I follow God's calling of where to go in my life, but I'm struggling to find my why. Now that I'm here, how do I approach this? P.S. You're my biggest inspiration. I check up on your socials every day to motivate me to work harder. I don't think you could ever understand the impact you have made in my life. You've got a lifelong fan here. Love you and God bless Gabe. Man, thank you so much for that, man. I mean, to be an inspiration and uh, for you guys to be able to draw inspiration, motivation, to feel something by what I'm putting out there, um, it really is humbling because that's why I do it. I never really did it for the likes and the views and whatnot. I wanted to do it um, and be very diligent and very intentional on my social media platforms to make people feel something. And if you, Gabe, or anybody who's listening right now is going through a tough time or has these big unanswered questions that you're trying to figure out, if one thing that I say or one thing that I do or one way that I respond to something makes you feel something, gives you a little bit more clarity, that's, um, that's my goal in life. It really is. Um, but to your question, you felt like you called, you, you followed God's calling to where you were going to go, Sarasota, Florida, but finding your why is the the hardest question that we will ever get try to find the answer to because there will be times that we are questioning why we are treading water, why we aren't, or we feel like we aren't moving forward. The perception that we aren't gaining ground between who we are today and who we want to become. And number one, I would start with patience. 
Well, number one, you also said, Gabe, you said, I'm a believer and you followed God's calling and you don't have to be a Christian to, to resonate with my message. My message is very overarching. I, I am a Christian man and I do pray and I do pray James 1.5 very, very often. James 1.5 says, he who lacks wisdom, ask for it and the Lord your God will give it abundantly. James 1.5, he who lacks wisdom, ask for it and the Lord your God will give it. He will give it to you abundantly. And I've prayed that prayer many, many times. Uh, quick story, right before, I, right before I walked into the most important meeting of my professional life, the most important meeting with Hunter Campbell, who is the big dog, one of the big dog. Obviously, you guys know Dana White, but Hunter Campbell is also one of the big dogs in the UFC. I was walking into his meeting, and I was talking to my father-in-law over text, and I just said, you know, he was, he knew I had the meeting. He knew, you know, essentially asking me what, what he could pray for me for. And I was like, honestly, I just have no idea what's going to happen. I have no idea if I'm going to leave this meeting with the biggest smile on my face, heart full, excited about the future or completely tail tucked between my legs, head hung low, wishing that the meeting would have went better. And he sent me that scripture, James 1, 5, he who lacks wisdom, ask for it, and the Lord your God will give it to you abundantly. And I think so many times in life, especially as men, you know, it's obviously I'm, I am a man and I think like a man, I am wired like a man. So many times in life um, as a man, we ask for things. We, when, when we're praying, we ask for things. We ask things to, to, to work out better. We ask for the end in sight instead of asking for just wisdom in the moment. It's almost every single day now since that day, my father-in-law sent me that scripture that it resonated so deeply with me because I was able to ask for wisdom right there in my car with my manager, Randall Alleman. We were in his, in his vehicle sitting outside the UFC and I got that text message and right there, I just started praying, Lord, just, just give me the wisdom. I'm not asking for anything. I'm not asking for any outcome. I'm not asking for any series of events, any processes happening, any A plus B equals C. I'm not asking for anything tangible or any kind of result. All I'm asking for right now is wisdom. And all you can do is make the best decision you, you can with the information that you have in the moment. And so often we have not because we ask not. We have not because we ask not. We want... We want something to work out, yet we aren't asking for the wisdom in the interim from point A to point B of reaching the goal. So Gabe, the biggest thing, and especially when we talk about our quote unquote why in life, why, why we are here on this planet, what we are commissioned to do, what impact we want to make, the way we want to live our life, the way we want to see, have others see us live our lives, the light that we want to be, the platform that we want to have. That's why we always are questioning, why am I here? What is my why? And Rick Warren, um, Rick Warren kind of uh, wrote an amazing book called The Purpose Driven Life, but I hear so many people reference that book as if we have to figure it out right now because Rick Warren wrote the book and basically said, hey, we are all here for a specific purpose. Now you got to go find it. But just as I want to become a world champion, but I can't become a world champion today. I have to be okay with myself today. I have to ask for wisdom today. I have to put in the work today. I have to, I have to trod and tread through all of the things that I need to do to get what I want to fulfill that purpose. I have to be content today. 
So number one, Gabe, I would start by asking for wisdom every single day. First thing you do in the morning, thank God for another day, pray for wisdom, ask for wisdom. Ask for wisdom, not just in this, trying to find your overarching why, but asking for wisdom in your in your professional life, your personal life, your relationships. For me, it's my family. Give me wisdom as a father. Give me wisdom as a husband. Well something up inside of me that I am responding in the, the way that you would want me to respond. The way that I am, not that I want, not the way that I want to respond, but the way that I need to respond. So number one, pray for wisdom every single day. And number two, keep going back to that gratitude. Why you started what you started, why you started what you have started, why you're doing what you're doing, why you're pursuing what you're pursuing. You followed God's calling down to Florida. So you already did what you needed to do. Now continue to ask for wisdom and be thankful for the wisdom that you've already gotten. Be thankful for the trials of your past that have shaped you into the, the Gabe, the man that you, that you have now become. And be thankful for the good times. Be thankful for the accolades. Be thankful for the, the breakthroughs, the turning of the corners. So operate in asking for wisdom, admitting that you don't know all of the answers. And all of the sudden, just by admitting that, it takes the pressure off of you. Because too often in life, we can put way too much pressure on ourselves trying to figure out what we're, what we're here for. Zig Ziglar said, are you a wandering generality or are you a meaningful specific? Are you a wandering generality, not quite sure where you're going, not sure what target you are aiming at, not sure what target you're trying to hit, not sure what man you're trying to become, woman you're trying to become? Or are you a meaningful, specific, everything that you want to be, do, have, accomplish, acquire, create, impact. But don't put the pressure on yourself. Have the patience knowing that even if you got called to where you're at today, Sarasota, Florida, give yourself some time, show yourself some grace, have the gratitude and pray for wisdom. Thank you for the kind words, Gabe. And thank you so much for the question. Next question comes from Chris. Hey, Mike, big fan. Of course, I have a lot of respect for your approach to life and its obstacles and have found myself making big changes the past few years to be healthy, happy, and take care of my family. I have very few friends, but I've noticed that the ones I have had for many years, including my only sibling, choose to head backwards in life. For years, I've listened to their calls, given advice, tried to lead by example, but I feel like I'm always surrounded by toxic negativity and excuses. If I ditched them, it would just be me, my kids, and my wife no complaints. Have you ever dealt with this type of situation? Should I keep trying to push them in the right direction, no matter how much energy it takes? Best regards to you and your family, Chris. Chris, answering this question, um, this is one of the hardest questions to answer because depending on where everybody is in life, my answer to the question could well something up inside of them, it might offend them, and it might sound very harsh. Um, but I would, I would approach this question from two different angles. Number one, you guys know what I stand for, working extremely hard and surrounding yourself by the best people possible. Your net worth is in your network. The people that you surround yourself by, you are basically becoming through osmosis every single day. The toll that they, that they take on you, the energy that they pull from you, 
the obstacles that they put into your path, those people are either bringing you down, they're the anchor to your proverbial ship. If you were a ship, they're either the anchor holding you back, dragging the bottom of the sea floor, slowing you down, or they're the wind in your sails, heading you, to, heading you toward the horizon, heading you toward bliss and happiness. So that would be the number one thing that I would say. And number two, I also live my life uh, in a lot of ways by something that my mentor, Chris Patterson, brought to me many years ago. Uh, a quote by Zig Ziglar, you can have everything you want in life if you will just help enough other people get what they want in life. You see, when we're serving people, we're operating from a, a place of gratitude and abundance. I am so grateful and I am so abundant that I'm not focused on myself right now and I'm able to focus on somebody else, help them get to their dreams, help them get to where they want to go, help them get a little bit closer to their goals. Now, it's a very... Uh, tight rope to walk, a very fine line to walk, because if you find yourself serving others constantly, and it's not actually welling something up inside of you and making you a better human being, giving you more energy, filling up your heart, filling up your bucket, then it will most assuredly hold you back. So there has to be times of extreme selfishness and then times of extreme selflessness where you're just serving other people. And then there's got to be other times where you're just focused on yourself. Chris, there's got to be times where you were just focused on yourself. But it's a hard, hard judgment call. And it's hard for me to answer the question as specific as I would like to for your specific situation, because I don't know quite how much these people are draining the life out of you, sucking the energy out of you. Or... Maybe it's not that bad. And like you said too, we were created for community. God created us for community. We are, we are community driven and we are supposed to be interacting, taking care of one another, protecting each other, serving each other. So Chris, of course, as you said, if I, if I ditched them all, the people that you're talking about, it would just be me, my wife and my kids. And you said right there in parentheses, no complaints. And I completely get what you're saying. Sometimes we get caught up in the, well, if it's just me, my wife and my kids, that that is enough. Let me admit right now, that is enough. That's the most important thing in life. But we still want friendships. We still want those connections with family. We still want business acquaintances, relationship acquaintances, um, coffees with guys, gals. Um, you know, if you're a man having men around you, I have a friend here named Clay. We go and eat breakfast uh, every couple weeks, grab coffee every couple weeks just to chill hang out, talk about life, challenge each other, hold each other accountable. You need those people in your life. So the two ways that I have approached it thus far, number one, you have to work extremely hard and surround yourself with the best people possible. The people whose goals, aspirations, and dreams are in alignment with yours, in alignment with not just your, your physical or your materialistic goals, making more money, having a nicer car, having a nicer house, having land, having business or material success, but also joy, peace, contentment, happiness, peacefulness, restfulness. So I've lost many, many, I don't say lost. I've, I've outgrown many, many friends in my life. I've outgrown many, many people in my life, partly because maybe they were holding me back, partly because I just got really, really busy and got laser focused on being a meaningful specific. As I said, 
I didn't want to be a wandering generality. If you're constantly having so many irons in the fire, irons in the fire could be business, it could be work, it could be your goals, and it can also be people. If you have too many people irons in the fire, not all of which are going to bear fruit or not all of which maybe aren't bearing any fruit in your life, but you get the intrinsic fruit, the intrinsic reward, the reciprocal reward of helping them, which in turn makes you feel better because going back to what Zig said, you can have everything in life you want if you will just help enough other people get what they want. So similar to my question or my answer earlier, Chris, I would just say, ask for wisdom, ask for wisdom in every single one of those relationships, write them down. I'm asking for wisdom in my relationship with Joe. I'm asking for relation with for wisdom in my relationship with Sally. And then continue to navigate those relationships. Give yourself the permission to say no. Give yourself the permission to not answer a phone call. Give yourself permission to not have to go and meet them or see them. And then kind of see how you feel. Start waxing and waning the relationship. But thank you, Chris. I appreciate the question. Next one from Faye. Hi, Michael. Loving the podcast. I have two questions for you. What approaches do you take when you have fear and dread in your heart, but hold a strong desire and a vision for your life you wish to live? I've always tried to search for one defined purpose, but recently realized I am a hummingbird, a multi-passionate creative. Long before my dog passed last November, and I got laid off from my stable, my stable fancy tech job. Within the same month, I've been battling depression, but pursuing a humble freelance business since the layoff has given me flexibility and allowed me to make time for poetry, abstract art, and playing the ukulele, which has given me light and hope. But ultimately, my conditioning just asks me to crawl back into the nine to five instead of listening to my gut. And I know I won't be, won't be happy doing what I did before at a corporate environment. It seems like you're using your platform to dabble in many endeavors to share your message and make a positive impact. How do you become unwavering when facing demons or people or the ego that doubts you? Um, and there's another question here, Faye, but let me just dive into this real quick. Um, so Faye, I'll, I'll start with your first question. What approaches do you take when you have fear and dread in your heart? So Faye's situation is she had her fancy tech job um, and she was laid off. And I know right now is a very tough time for a lot of people. Many of the business and wealth accounts that I follow these days keep on announcing Amazon dropping 9,000 jobs, IBM dropping 1,500 jobs, blah, 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 blah. Right now is tough. a tough time in the the labor market where, where these big companies, where you could have a very solid, steady, and as she said, fancy tech job, all of a sudden you get a notice and two weeks later you're unemployed. But it, but as Faye said, it has given her an opportunity. And I love what she did here when she pivoted and said, it's given me an opportunity just by writing this down. I've known that you, I know that you have actually made a commitment to making the best making the best out of your situation. You lose your job and it's giving you time to, time and flexibility to make more time for poetry, abstract art, and the abstract art and the ukulele. One thing that I would say about this, you know, we're talking about dread, talking about fear. We're talking about depression. We're talking about um, becoming unwavering when facing the demons or people or ego that doubts you. And I have dealt with this many, many times in life. And I do believe 
I was so mad at times of the things that would happen to me or the way that I would respond or the way that I would react or the way that I would see myself. But now as I've gotten through those different trials, those different seasons, I can truly sit here and say that they molded me into the man that I have become. And if a bad thing happens to you, but a good thing comes from it, we have to ask ourselves, was it really a bad thing? Because really life is just perception. You might have one person who perceives a certain thing completely differently than you are perceiving your current circumstances. And Faye, losing your job, giving you more opportunity to flex those creative and artistic muscles is doing nothing but A, giving you the opportunity to show yourself some grace and also flex your faith muscle that things will work out, things will get better, things are going to work out for you. But using this time right now to build yourself up. You talk about having more time, having more flexibility, not just to flex your artistic skills. Maybe it turns into a business. Maybe it turns into a, a, um, a side hustle, an Etsy business, a, a art business, um, a poetry business. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe it stays a hobby and you end up finding another job in six months, three months, two months, a year. Who knows? But it's giving you the opportunity right now of reassessing, recalibrating, and really getting back back to and boiling down to the fae that you want to become, the fae that you are becoming right now. So you got to use these times. And for me, sometimes it's losing a fight. For me, sometimes it's kind of giving up on or not giving up on, but, but moving past me being in Bellator and realizing that I'm going to go to the UFC. It brought about a lot of fear and there was a downtime there where it felt like I was kind of in limbo. The future wasn't secure. The past, the past was the past and the future wasn't secure. I didn't know where I was going to end up, but it gave me an opportunity to recalibrate, reassess and rest not rest in the sense that I was going to be lazy, but rest in the sense that I was going to have confident expectancy that things were going to work out. So Faye, I think I would encourage you in this time, continue to now the third, third question, fourth question that we've done thus far, asking for wisdom, continuing to surround yourself by the people that have your back and the people that, the people that well something up inside of you that is positive, uplifting, happy, joyful, peaceful being able to be at peace in the midst of the storm. And I can guarantee by the time you get done with this season, you will look back and think that, hey, that storm was tough. The doubts, the fears, the pain, the depression, the self-deprecating thoughts, the self-deprecating actions, the valley that I found myself in, the person that I looked in the mirror and the reflection that I saw back wasn't the one that I wanted to see. Make sure you're doing that work every day, getting in your gratitude journal, writing it down, writing down the things that you want to be, do, and have during the season and recalibrating. That's how I would answer the first question. Then on the second question, how do you support your partner from afar and through hardships? I know you're often traveling and training outside of the home and have to spend time apart from Bree and your two sons. My partner's mother recently got diagnosed with a terminal brain tumor and he's back in his hometown indefinitely. We're 10 hours apart and I feel a bit helpless in providing him support apart from our calls and, and researching slash arranging for logistical help every now and then to, to delight his mother 
during her last days. Would love to hear, to learn how you maintain a connection in your relationships and affirm that you're there for them, even through physical distance. Tuning in from Vancouver, BC, Faye. Faye, I know. Well, number one, I appreciate um, you asking this question because yes, I do have to spend times away, time away from Bree, my beautiful wife, and our two sons, Happenays. There are times that I have to be away from them, and that is in our situation mainly because she has also, we have also, she also has a career. She's a career woman, and we have also made the choice that she wants to continue to work. She enjoys her job. She enjoys accomplishing. She enjoys, she enjoys um, that sense of self-worth that she gets through having her energies put into her work. And I love that she does that as well. I love that was one of the main things that attracted me to her, that she was a career woman, that she wanted to stay, um, stay working. It didn't matter if I made millions and millions and millions of dollars. She was, she would st- she was going to continue to work. Obviously, right now, she doesn't have to work, but she wants to work. And I never wanted to rob her of wanting, of that want, of that need, fulfilling that need. But in your situation, Faye, number one, we're dealing, obviously, with your partner's mom being diagnosed um, with terminal brain tumor. So right now, it's just a rough, rough, painful time of lack of clarity, Um doubts, fears, and pain, the almost the impending pain. I'm sure there's days where the pain is overwhelming for him. So the only thing you can do in this situation is just be there for him as much as you possibly can. And it sounds like, like you said, researching and arranging logistical help every now and then and helping out his mother, trying to ease the pain, trying to ease the discomfort. So it sounds like you're doing, you're making an effort because sometimes we undervalue or we under we under uh, assess how important just a effort is might not be the biggest thing that you were doing might not be the biggest thing that you're trying to accomplish but just the effort put in shows initiative and it shows love and it shows care So the biggest thing that you can do is be available as much as you can obviously right now during this time where you are um, where you lost your job and now you're getting to spend more time on your art, um, obviously gives you a lot more, hopefully disposable time where you're able to, or discretionary time, uh, where you can be more available and long distance relationships are very tough. My wife and I have done it for a very long time. And I'd be lying if I didn't say that there was times of, uh, you know, there was times of, of disconnect, but there's times of, um, lack of clarity, you know, we always were going to be together forever, but it doesn't mean that everything is sunshine and rainbows. And one thing that you have to do in a relationship as all at all times is realize and not put the pressure on yourself that it's going to be perfect all of the time. And this is coming from a guy who feels like I have a better marriage than 99.9% of people uh, that I'm around. I love my wife. I love my life. I will. I love my marriage, but that doesn't mean that my job, her job, having children, life's obstacles don't sometimes um, bring about challenges. But ultimately, every challenge has always led to more love, a deeper connection, deeper love, a deeper commitment. 
And that's the biggest thing that you can do right now during this time where his mom is in a tough position, obviously, which means he is in a tough position because it's his mom, his first love, you know, um, I put, I would put myself in that, those shoes and all I would want is for Brie, if she was 10 hours away to just be there, be a shoulder to cry on, be a phone to cry on. If he, if it can, you know, if, if that's all you got is be a phone to cry on, be there, be available when you can but still focusing on yourself as well during this time, Faye. Um, so sorry if I didn't answer that question with anything tangible for you to use, but uh, I wish the best for you, your partner, your partner's mother, and God bless you guys. Next question comes from Kayer, K-E-Y-U-R, Kayer. Good day, Mr. Chandler. Could you give your thoughts on how I can pursue martial arts as a 26-year-old? I love this sport and your performances. I know you fight to be exciting, always with you. Thank you for your time and love from India. Kayer. Awesome, man. Some questions coming in from India, yeah, Canada and India. Uh, Kayer. So, um, 26 years old. Um, the biggest thing right away, if you're just starting your mixed martial arts journey is you've got to find obviously the best gym that you possibly can within a manageable proximity for you to be able to, while you've got a job, or you've got obligations, or you've got things that you have to do, finding a good gym, and then showing yourself the grace that you're going to be maybe the worst person at the gym right away. You know, similar to the walk-on mentality, me walking into the Mizzou wrestling room, not expecting to be the worst guy in the room, but ended up being the worst guy in the room and having to scrape and claw and, and work to get even average. Um, I would start with what I would start with what you're drawn to the most. So obviously when we talk about mixed martial arts, um, it's a mixed discipline. It's a mixed bag of disciplines. You got the grappling on the ground, the wrestling on the ground. Um, you have the, the boxing, which is just hands, the kickboxing, which is hands and feet. Um, you've got the strength and conditioning, adding, adding layers to your human, becoming a better athlete. So what, what are you drawn to? first. That's what you got to ask yourself. Are you drawn more to the ground, the ground fighting? Do you like the confidence that you would get from, from the grappling? Do you like that style of training? Or do you just simply want to stand on your feet, throw punches and kicks? Do you want to do more bag work, hit mitts, do some sparring? You got to ask yourself what you're drawn to, because ultimately, if you don't enjoy what you're doing, right when you first start out, the chances of you quitting and not sticking through or not seeing it through is pretty darn high. So find out which, what you're drawn to the most, find a good gym. And then immediately, as soon as you walk in, jumping into a class or you're doing some type of workout, start gauging the room, start looking at the people that are engaged, start looking for the people who are enjoying themselves, finding that fine line and that, that great Venn diagram of who's enjoying themselves, but who also looks like they are committed to what they're doing. There's going to be some there that are just there to go through the motions. There's going to be some there who you're probably not going to mesh with. There's going to be some there who look like they are having a blast and they're working extremely hard and they're extremely talented. Those are the people that you want to start drawing yourself towards. Go up and introduce yourself because just like going to school, just like going to a new job, just like going to any type of group setting, there's going to be people that you need to be around in order to make yourself better and also learn from and glean information from. 
So number one, find a good gym. Number two, find the people in that gym that you are most drawn to who are going to help you get to where you want to go. And number three, find out, uh, find out which aspect of the mixed martial arts journey you are most drawn to and, and do those, do that first and then start dabbling in the other disciplines. So Kay, you're from India. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for the question. Next question. Sip of coffee. From Ariana. Hey, Mike, my name is Ariana, and I've been a big fan of yours for some time now. I really enjoy listening to your advice as you have inspired me in a lot of ways. Your insight and advice has helped me and so many others, so thank you for that. I'm not sure if you have covered this topic before, but I'm curious about how you navigate and maintain healthy eating habits. I train pretty hard every day and aim to eat clean and healthy cutting back on carbs and instead adding more protein to my diet. But I often find myself into the cravings or I often find myself giving into the cravings for things I know aren't the most nutritious for me and don't align with my nutritional goals. Do you ever get cravings? How do you battle those feelings? Do you allow yourself to give in every so often? And if you do ever give into the cravings, do you feel a sense of guilt or regret afterwards? Ariana, let me just go ahead and tell you I had Chick-fil-A yesterday, a number one with Chick-fil-A sauce, large fry, and a half sweet and unsweet tea. I can see Connor over there laughing and smiling because Connor loves Chick-fil-A. I took my son to Sonic and I wasn't really craving Sonic, but Chick-fil-A was two doors over. And I was like, you know what? Today's a Chick-fil-A day. Today's a Chick-fil-A day. And uh, we'll get into the guilt side of things here in a second. But Ariana, number one, Kudos to you. Well, number one, thank you for your kind words of the advice and the insight that I'm giving. And number two, kudos to you for being being cognizant that you only get one body. You only get one health panel in your body. You only get one, one chance at this thing called your body. And you are most likely blessed with two arms and two legs and a capable body. Obviously, as you say, healthy eating, eating habits and, and, uh, your nutritional goals. So kudos to you that you're actually making an effort. And number two, the biggest thing, the biggest thing that I have found in my health and fitness journey and the people that I have mentored and coached and helped out, um, through our walk on fitness programs, um, the biggest thing that I find is as human beings, when we commit to something, we usually just go 100% and 100% is the only way to succeed. If it's 100%, we are succeeding. If it's 99%, we are failing. It's the if then. If I am 100% absolutely perfect with my diet, then I will be happy. If I'm not, then I'm going to be upset. I'm going to be mad. I'm going to be mad at myself. I'm going to feel guilty. So the biggest thing about fitness, nutrition, eating, especially in the world that we live in, where fast food is a plenty, it's so much easier to grab fast food or grab something in a bag, grab something processed than it is to grab something very healthy. We, the food system has now basically been set up for us to fail. There are so many more bad options than there are good options. So number one, giving yourself and showing yourself the grace, realizing that we are walking through a minefield of horrible food decisions every single day. We're walking through a minefield of horrible 
food that is not nutritious, that is full of essentially legal FDA approved poison every single day. So number one, show yourself the grace that when you do have a bad day, quote unquote, bad day, let's not even call it a bad day. When you have a day where you stray off of what you think is perfect eating. I know what perfect eating is when I am 190 pounds and I'm trying to get down to 155. I'm eating my mega fit meals twice a day. I'm having a snack in between. I'm training twice a day. I know what I've done over the last 15 training camps to go from the 180s, 190 down to 155. And trust me, there's been times where I've questioned, should I have eaten that? Should I have added that? I know my weight is good. I know I'm ahead of schedule, but should I have really added that? Should I have not have? Um, but the biggest thing for Ariana and everybody listening right now, when you're trying to lose weight, get in better shape, add more to your fitness, focus on the 80-20 rule right away. Don't say that you're going to eat perfect 100% of the time because it's just not realistic. It's going to lead to burnout. It's going to lead to you f not just failing, but failing and probably ending up in a worse spot than you were. So if you give yourself permission right now, me as a so-called fitness enthusiast telling you, focus on 80% of the time doing really, really well and eating really, really well. Maybe it's Monday through Friday, you're eating pretty darn clean, really, really proud of yourself. Stick, stick into your goals, stick into your macros if you do macros, stick into the food groups that you like. Ariana said, trying to cutting back on the carbs and said adding more protein. If you can do that Monday through Friday and then maybe have your quote unquote off day, your 20% days on your Saturdays and Sundays. Number one, it'll give you an opportunity. You don't have to work. Most likely you can maybe socialize, have a good time with friends, do something to serve yourself and try not to think about a path that you're constantly on. And I mean, when I go through these training camps and it's every single day, the weight and the pressures of not just the fight, but the weight and the pressures of me having to lose the weight, it's daunting and it's, and it's tough. And if I had to do it more than eight weeks, 10 weeks, there's a chance I'm going to burn out almost every single camp, but I know I have a short window of opportunity. Um, so not only the 80-20 rule throughout your weeks, say you're, you're, you're just trying to live a healthy lifestyle, the 80-20 being, being content and happy with 80% of the time eating well or staying on your, staying within your nutritional guidelines, but also going into somewhat many training camps too. Giving yourself, if you've been on your, a phenomenal eating schedule a phenomenal phenomenal eating habits for two months straight maybe it's okay to give yourself a week off especially if you're going on vacations especially if you have an obligation or you have a work trip or you have something that pops up give yourself permission to not eat perfectly give yourself permission to be focused on other tasks sometimes doing nothing is doing something if you're going on vacation for three four days don't feel guilty if you didn't eat perfectly on your vacation give yourself give yourself a vacation on vacation from your nutritional diet from your nutritional guidelines because too much of a good thing is never a good thing eating perfectly all the time if you're not enjoying it or you're not seeing the benefits or or it is somewhat of a a an arduous journey will eventually lead to burnout so focus on the 80-20 rule. Um, focus on giving yourself a week off here and there, three days off here and there, a four-day weekend here and there to make sure, because I can also remember, or I can also tell you and remember times in my life where sometimes you need 
to get off the diet, to eat something crappy, to feel like crap, to remind yourself why you do it in the first place. It reminds you that, hey, that fast food or the pizza or the alcohol or a large night of drinking and having a good time waking up hungover reminds you, mm, maybe that's not as cool as I thought it was. Maybe it doesn't make me feel as good as I thought it was. Now I remember why I eat the way I do, why I refrain from the things that I refrain from. So 80-20 rule, 80% of the time, do the best that you can and know that you're doing doing um, doing well with your diet. And then 20% of the time, enjoy yourself a little bit. And do you allow yourself to give in ever so often, she asks. And if you do give in to your cravings, do you feel a sense of guilt? Absolutely. As a man who has to make weight and fit, has to make weight to provide for my family, to fulfill my calling on my life. And as a man who has been known as a guy who uh, is a in the fitness space as well as the mixed martial arts space, of course, yeah. Even did it yesterday when I ate Chick-fil-A with my son. I thought, man, what if there's somebody in this drive-thru right now that looks over and sees me? Am I a hypocrite? That was my first thought. And then I caught myself and said, no. <laughs> no, life is for living. 90% of the time, I'm eating very good. And if I want to have Chick-fil-A every now and then, I'm going to try to do this without any guilt. Now, that doesn't mean the guy who was behind me, who might have been 100 pounds overweight, probably eats Chick-fil-A way too often, me and him are not in the same bucket, right? I don't think that you should be engaging in the literal FDA-approved poison that we find ourselves in every single day. Um, so do I think it should be you should feel guilty or you should feel shame? I don't think those things come from above. I don't think... I don't think uh, God wants us to feel guilty or full of shame when we do things that are wrong, but I do think sometimes we, what, we, what we might perceive as guilt or perceive as shame might also be intuition, might also be a feeling inside of us that is intuitive that, of that, we are, that we know we're doing something that we probably shouldn't be doing, part of our conscience. So, but... To lighten the load for you, Ariana, or anybody who, who deals with this, yes, there are times that I feel guilty when I've overeaten or eaten something crappy, eaten something that I know is FDA-approved poison. Um, so ultimately, if I know I'm doing good most of the time, 80% of the time, those guilt, those times of guilt go down more and more and more. Because when you put in the work and you fill up your proverbial fitness, health, nutrition bank so much that you just dip it into dip into it a little bit. It puts you in a scenario or a position where you know you can treat yourself every now and then. Just like The Rock says, he's got his, uh, he gets a bad case of the efforts and uh, he'll eat a ton. Um, I know he eats very clean throughout the week and then has his big old cheat meal on Sundays and whatnot. It's good for you. It's good for the soul. It's good to imbibe. It's good to in, uh, it's good to go overboard here and there to remind yourself why you stay so diligent. So thank you for the question. Thank you for the kind words, Ariana. Continue to stay diligent in your fitness and nutrition journey. Show yourself some grace. Everybody listening right now, show yourself some grace. You're not going to be perfect. You never will be perfect. So don't focus on perfection. Focus on being successful. Next question comes from Robert. Michael, 
Just had to send a much overdue note of thanks to you for sharing your perspective and methods for success and personal development on your podcast. I became a fan of yours as you entered into the UFC. I'm kind of a new MMA fan, but have found your podcast and Q&A to be extremely helpful. Thank you. Quick question. Was there a specific moment in your life that brought you closer to God slash faith? Has it always been a main pillar of your life? I ask because I am a father of three. I'm a father of three young kids. And as my wife and I face the normal challenges of parenting, I myself, I find myself turning back more to my faith to see me through some of the struggles slash daily challenges and the natural worry about uh, that seeps in when we are thinking about their future. Essentially, how are you going to keep affording your little rugrats? Man, kids are expensive. Ha, <laughs> <laughs> hope that makes sense. Um, if, if there is anything I can ever do for you, please let me know and I will see you at the top. Thank you, Robert. So the question is, um, was there a specific moment in my life that brought me closer to my faith? Um, yeah, I think uh, in episodes one, two, three, um, I was alluding to a time in my life, not so in the not so distant future that I went through a, a very, very, very tough time. Um, and I felt like I was going through that tough time alone. I felt like I was going through that tough, tough time with out a lot of information. So there was a lot of questions unanswered. There was a lot of, a lot of fogginess and lack of clarity, which brings about analysis, paralysis, which made me feel paralyzed, which made, which sapped my energy, which looked at the, looked into the mirror and saw a man I didn't, wasn't proud of, saw a man that I didn't think deserved great things, saw a man who had a great run and, uh, things weren't going to be so great for him. Obviously I can't get into the details, but just know that I was not in a very good place. That was a very, very tough time, a very, very trying time, but a time in my life that my faith grew exponentially because you can only feel so helpless for so long until it's time to just realize that you need help. It gave me the opportunity to ask for more help, pray for more wisdom, James 1.5. Gave me the opportunity to draw closer to God, take the burden of, take the burden of, progress, constant and never ending progress, take the burden off of me and ask for it more because you can't do it on your own. I believe that we were created in the image of an almighty God who is here for us, will never leave us nor forsake us. And in your toughest times in life, and it isn't, isn't it a beautiful thing? Isn't it so funny how that's when we grow the deepest and nearest to God in our times of trouble. When he is our rock, he is our strong tower. But we didn't need him when times were good. We only need him when times are tough, right? So what I have realized, and, and that was a recurring theme in my life, I'd go through a tough time, get closer to God, and then say, okay, God, I'll put you on the shelf till I need you again. This time, since that since that experience, I feel like this was finally the, the catalyst for change that I needed because it was such a tough time. It was such a trying time. It was such a scary time for me that my faith grew so much that it became more of a habit. It became more effortless, if you will. And I don't know if, if my faith would have ever grown as much as it, as it has in the last year or so had I not gone through that tough time. 
So if a bad thing happens to you, but a good thing comes from it, we have to ask ourselves, was it really a bad thing? So that was the specific time in my life, um, Robert. And then as a father of three, <laughs> how do you go through and, and continue to find yourself um, staying in your faith to see through the daily struggles that you have? And essentially, how are you going to keep affording these little rugrats? And I, I'm with you right there, Robert. Kids are expensive. And there's times where you question whether or not you can afford them, <laughs> you know, the amount of food they have, then they start sports and then the sports equipment and then all the inner, all the stuff. And then that's not even to mention private school. If you putting your kids through private school and all these different things, kids are daggum expensive, but they're the greatest blessing that we ever could have asked for. And Robert, you are an absolute Superman on earth to them. So you need to act as such, right? I've gone back to this a couple of times as men, especially we always wanted to be like our superheroes. We wanted to be Superman. We wanted to be Batman. We wanted to be Captain America. We wanted to be GI Joe. We wanted to be Rambo. We wanted to be all these things. Yet when we have children, we are literally bigger than those things. We are more larger than life than any of those characters. So we need to act as such and we need to provide as such and we need to see ourselves the way that they see us so then we can exponentially grow in our faith, grow in our traits and our talents and our abilities to be able to accomplish the life, to attain the life that they deserve. But it's a great question because number one, if a bad thing happens to you, but a good thing comes from it, was it really a bad thing? Continuing to pray for wisdom, James 1, 5. Continuing to consider it all to joy, all to joy the things that have happened to you. Psalm 139, that even before we were born, God knew the plans that he would have. I was reading a book with Hap last night, talking about how our, how our family was created, how we... Uh, how we have chosen him, how God knew that he was going to be our son long before we did. Um, so that was a beautiful, beautiful time for me. So flex those muscles of, of talking about God as well with your children. It'll well something up inside of you that will make you more of a leader and stronger in your faith as well. So Robert, thank you for the big question or the great question. And um, we'll keep on moving on. Next question comes from Hamid. What's up, Mike? I want to start off by saying that you're hands down my absolute favorite UFC fighter, not only because of how entertaining you are inside the octagon, but also because of how you carry yourself outside of the octagon. My question to you is how can I become a, a prof as professional as you when it comes to conducting myself in a business aspect? I admire how much of a true professional you are, and I hope to meet you and hang out with you someday. I know Shane Burgos is your favorite fighter, and I actually trained on the same mats as him at Tiger Shulman's MMA in, in Elmwood Park, New Jersey. You're always welcome to come train with us. God bless. See you at the top. Much love, Hamid. Number one, thank you for the uh, kind words, Hamid, and shout out to Shane Burgos. He is my favorite fighter. Um, and uh, yeah, maybe I'll make it up there sometime and train with y'all. It'll be fun. It'll be fun to share the, the practice room and the mats with you, Hamid. Um, but I appreciate this because I do think, and you know, obviously you guys know, I just went through the ultimate fighter process. And I remember at the end of the process, the end of the filming, 
I said, okay, guys, we just got done with the fighting part of it, the reality show part of it, but now it's time to be a professional. Now it's time to show, because here's the thing about mixed martial arts, and I'm going somewhere with this, Hamid, I'm going to bring it back to your question. Here's the thing about mixed martial arts. We think it's punches and kicks and knees and elbows and the X's and the, o and the O's. They think it's about winning, but winning is only half the battle, maybe maybe less than half the battle because anybody can do it. Never downplay mixed martial arts, but I'm just saying there's, there will never be a shortage of men and women who can go out there and put on great shows and win fights. But what truly matters is how do you treat people? What is your reputation? I'll never forget when Dana White first called me. One of the first things he said was, hey, kid. He calls everybody kid. Hey, kid, I don't know what you're saying to my team, but they love you. He's like, I don't know what you're saying, but they love you. Uh, and I was like, I don't know, Dana. I'm just being me. I'm just showing up and doing my thing. This is, this is me. This is who I am. Um, and since then, over the last couple of years, I, it's hard for me to talk about because I don't want to toot my own horn, but I, I don't want to miss, I don't want you guys to miss the, the lesson in this. When I show up to anything UFC and I treat the front desk guy the security guard or the janitor, the same way I would treat Dana White or the same way I would treat Hunter Campbell or the same way I would treat anybody in the organization, it gets noticed. It gets noticed. I'm sitting here with Connor. Connor's over there um, doing what he does, crushing it over there on the on the switches and all that kind of stuff. And, and I go back to what his experience was whenever he went on a fight week with me. And he said one of the biggest eye-openers to him was, Watching it all and then seeing kind of the relationships between me and the UFC and the staff and how many people there were and how much they really liked me. It's not that hard to be a likable person. It's not that hard to be professional. It's not that hard to do what you said you were going to do. See, we, we as fighters or you, Hamed, as a, as a, as a professional in the business arena, when you sign your name to a contract or you sign your name to a business, some kind of business deal, you sign your, you shake the hand of somebody in a relationship, you are creating not just a binding contract if it's on a piece of paper, but a social contract whenever you are in a relationship, in a relationship or relation with somebody that you're going to put your best foot forward. You're going to be a man or woman of integrity. You're going to operate with good character. You're going to put hard work in. You're going to show up on time. You're going to be an easy to work with team player. You're going to do more than what was asked of you, not just what was asked of you. And too often times in life, we look back and say, I don't understand why I'm being treated this way. I don't understand why good breaks don't happen to me. I don't understand why I don't end up in the position that I want to end up in, but it's the way that you carry yourself and your reputation that is the most important thing in life. Your reputation is the most important thing that you will ever have. What are people saying about you before they meet you? What are say, people saying about you after they have met you? What are people saying about you and how you conduct yourself? Because you're replaceable. Every single person in business, in sports, in any endeavor is replaceable. None of us are non-replaceable. And that's what I try to get through to Every fighter that I speak to, you're not the first one who came into this sport. You won't be the last. There's been a million of you, and don't act like you are 
not replaceable because the UFC, Bellator, 1FC, all these, all these fight organizations, whatever organization you are in, you are replaceable. There's no shortage of people who can replace you. So that's why it's so important for you to be in control of your own self and how you show up to work, how you show up to relationships, how you show up to every single aspect of your life. So Hamid, your question is, how do I become as professional as you when it comes to conducting myself in a business aspect? That was the original question. He said, I admire how much of a true professional you are and I hope to meet and hang out with you someday. Hamid, tell you right now, I'm not always professional. There's times I wish I would have been better. There's times that I, w I wish I could meet the standard that I'm trying to meet every single day. And I'm by no, by no means perfect, but I think, man, I sound like a broken record, but dang, it just goes back to gratitude. I feel like I am perceived as a, one of the most professional guys in the sport, probably one of the easiest guys to work with in the sport. Probably the, one of the hardest working guys in the sport, mainly because I'm so grateful for the opportunity. It's egotistical and it's narcissistic of me to show up into a room and think that I am, everyone else should be serving me instead of me serving them. If we can shift that mindset, if we can start thinking more about how I know I'm showing up here to do this thing, but how can I serve other people? Maybe it's serving them with a smile. Maybe it's serving them by responding in a way that is different than what I already know what the standard is. I know what the standard of a mixed martial artist is. I know how egotistical, hard-headed, hard to work with a lot of these guys are. So you don't think I'm trying to leave every single scenario, every single interaction, every single event with people saying behind my back, dang, that dude is so normal. I just had a guy, Isaac, shout out to Isaac Cowboy Fence here in Nashville, Cowboy with a K. Spent the last two days trying to look at my gate. We got to fix my gate, all that kind of stuff. And he's a young guy, 23 years old. And we kind of got to talking and stuff and kind of, he knew who I was. And, you know, his dad was a, been a fan since I was in Bellator and all these different things. And he went out of his way and I appreciated it. He went out of his way to be like, you know, there's words going around the office, cowboy fence that, you know, we're working on your thing. And I just had to tell him, man, like, you're, you're really kind of a cool guy. I'm like, well, I'm just, just me, dude. You know, I don't know how to operate any other way, you know, and I don't know, I need to get my thoughts together and try to figure out what are the most important aspects of being just normal. Cause to me, it just comes naturally. I think it's gratitude. I think, I don't think I'm any better than Isaac. Who's working at cowboy fence. When he comes over to work on my fence, he is serving me. So therefore I'm going to get off the trampoline. I was on the trampoline, jumping with happened. I said, Hey buddy, give me a second. I need to go talk to Isaac, jumped out and went and just interacted with him. Just gave him my time, looked him in the eye, answered his questions, asked him questions. We're all just human beings on this earth. And yeah, some people got a little bit more status, a little bit more platform, a little bit more money. Some people don't have a lot. Some people come from humble beginnings. Some people are in the process of trying to become who they want to become right now. Everyone's on their own path. Everyone's on their own journey, but we are all just one human race here on this earth. And if you can start to shift the mindset that you are no better or worse than anyone else, yeah, there's times that you deserve more. 
There's times that you deserve less. There's times that you will get breaks. There's times that you wish you would have gotten a break. There's times that you will be looked at as a person. And I've been looked at this in mixed martial arts a lot that, man, I don't understand why the, why this guy gets so much. Why did he get this break? Why did he get the, remember the old line, Dana, Dana White privilege? Tony Ferguson said, I have Dana White privilege. And it was kind of funny, but it was also kind of true. If you're in an organization, it is the heads of the organization's prerogative and job. It's their literal job description to find the best talent, the best people under in the organization and promote them. And it's not always the person that produces the most. It's the person that produces the most, but also is a team player, shows up on time, shows up clean, shows up with a haircut, shows up with their teeth, their teeth brushed, their face shaved, whatever it may be, whatever the standard is in the industry. They show up on time, they show up with a good attitude, and they serve more than they expect to be served. So, Ahmed, those are just a couple of the ways that I conduct myself, and I need to put them on paper. Being a good employee has worked out for me. There's going to be people that say, man, he's a sellout because, you know, he didn't do it his way. I've been really thinking about this as well. So, Ahmed, thank you for your question. I'm going to go into a rant a little bit. I've been thinking about this. And really ask yourself this. People, people these days, especially with social media, everybody wants to be their own boss. Everybody wants to be their own, have their own business, have their own company, make their own living. They don't want to have a boss. They don't want to have all these different things that our parents and grandparents, the way that they lived. I am where I'm at today because I was an indispensable asset to the organization of Bellator. They wanted to keep me. They promoted me. They paid me well. Then I came over to the UFC and now I've become one of those guys in the UFC, a bigger star than I ever thought I would become, brighter lights than I ever thought would be there, bigger fights than I ever thought would be there. And it's always worked out because I've just been easy to work with. Sometimes you got to ask yourself, well, he, some people will say, well, he didn't do it his way. He was, he said yes. And He's a pawn and he's a bootlicker and he's a brown noser and all those different things. And people could say, well, he didn't do it his way. He did it their way. And I, and I would ask you the question, well, what if doing it my way was doing it their way? What if that's how I wanted to operate? What if I walk into an organization and say, hey, do with me what you will. Let's do it your way. What if that's how I chose to operate? Am I a sellout then? I don't think so. Because I can tell you this, one of the biggest downfalls that we have in society today, especially in America, is that everybody wants to be their own boss. Everybody everybody right away has sees themselves way too, way too valuable than they actually are. They want to make way more money than they actually deserve. They want to have more freedom and more time off, and more perks than they really deserve. So it's going to be even easier to stand out amongst this generation, the next generation, and all the generations to come. Because if you can have a little bit more humility, go through the valleys, go through the mud and the muck, see yourself as a person of value, but not overvalue yourself, be a great employee, things are going to work out. It's always worked out well for me and I've always been rewarded by it.
maybe this resonates with you. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe you are at a dead end job or a perceived dead end job. You don't like the job. You want to move on. You're not quite sure. Just hold on a little bit longer. Start showing up a little more gratitude. Start showing up and putting your best foot forward and doing better and watch what happens. That's another episode of Walk on Wisdom. Thank you guys so much for sending in your questions, everybody who sent in questions. And also remember, if you want to send in more questions or you want to send, uh, have your friends, family, send in questions, send them into podcast at michaelchandler.com. Like and subscribe and share um, because we're getting, I really appreciate these messages. Almost every single one of them starts out with something very nice that you guys are saying to me. And it makes me feel like a, makes me feel just like a million bucks. It really does. I appreciate you guys. I hope you guys are getting value from this. If this episode spoke to you, share it, like it, subscribe, um, and keep on sending in your questions. Let's go deeper. Let's go harder. Let's figure out these ways that we can get better together. Walk on wisdom. Another episode. God bless. I'll see you at the top.